On today's episode, bone stress injuries in runners using carbon fiber footwear. Welcome to the podcast, helping you train, rehab, and run smarter. When I first started running in my 20s, I knew it would be something I'd be passionate about for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, developing injury after injury disrupted my progress and left me undertrained at the start line on race day. Even with my knowledge as a physio, I still fell victim to the vicious injury cycle and when searching for answers, struggled to decipher between common running myths and evidence-based guidance. That's what this podcast is here to help you with. So join me as a Run Smarter Scholar and let's break the injury cycle by raising your running IQ and achieving running feats you never thought possible. Welcome back, Run Smarter Scholars. Uh, we have a patron release, which I like to do every month or two. And just to remind you, patron group is out there. Uh, if you subscribe now, you get like we're up to about 45 episodes that you can just binge. Uh, a lot of exclusive topics. Now we're starting to build up a bank of uh, Ask Me Anything or AMA episodes that our patrons are submitting the questions through the Run Smarter app. And yeah, if you're if that interests you, then the sign up link is always in the show notes. Uh, it's ten Australian dollars, I think, in the US. It's probably like six dollars per month. And yeah, you get all this exclusive stuff, two exclusive episodes per week, and we just have a lot of fun. I think we're up to, uh, we're, in, we're hovering around 100-ish patrons uh, per month, and they're all in the um, patron Facebook group. And yeah, if that interests you, if you want to elevate your running wisdom and get more content, uh, it's a good way to go about it. Uh, and obviously, unsubscribe at any time and all that sort of stuff that comes along with a, a patron service. This episode was recorded uh, several months ago and thought I would release it as like a public service announcement because there, I just review a research paper that's just emerged around carbon fiber shoes and if there's any risk when it comes to injury. So I review that paper and hope you enjoy. This one, the title is Bone Stress Injuries in Runners Using Carbon Fiber Plate Footwear. Um, this is a bit of a different one. It's a 2023 study by Adam1040 and colleagues, which I recognize the name. Um, Adam is the lead author of another paper that I refer to constantly about running cadence and how it changes with running speed and also a paper with cadence that, fa that found that taller runners, their optimal cadence is slightly lower than someone else who has shorter legs. And so it's uh, um, constantly something that I advise. And so it's constantly something I refer back to. So good to see Adam1040, another paper in here. And it is a slightly different paper. This one is a, a an opinion article with case studies. So I thought I'd mention that off the bat because this isn't the highest quality evidence. Um, it's kind of just like, like it says, an opinion article based on previous research, based on some case studies, based on the observations of the authors. They haven't done randomized controlled trials. They haven't done blinded trials or systematic reviews or any of those style or any of those um, 
research styles that we do hold into high account and we do trust their results. Um, and yeah, just the weight of those results are a lot in higher regard than opinion articles, obviously. But this one I thought I'd include. Um, pretty much like they don't have any research to fall back on because, you know, carbon fiber plates are quite recent. They were introduced into competition in 2016, which might seem like a long time ago, but when it comes to research, um, that's not long at all. And so these other studies, randomized control trials and systematic reviews on carbon fiber plates just simply don't exist. And so it's good that we mention and include these type of opinion articles. Um, but it's still an interesting paper. Um, it's something that I found a topic that I found really interesting. So that's why I decided to do an episode on it. Um, and this paper is available for you in the notes in this app. There's a little hyperlink that you can click on and it'll take you to this paper and all the other papers available in these research review episodes. So have a look if it interests you. There are a few um, graphics and a few photos just to help make sense of a lot of these things. Um, and this is also a nice follow-on from in the main feed. I did a rerun a few weeks ago with Simon Bartold, who talked about is a carbon fiber shoe right for you and <clears throat> talked about carbon fiber shoes, pretty much the key takeaways, which is relevant to this episode. So for those who aren't familiar, carbon fiber plate, it's um, sometimes in the midsole or it's along the whole length of the shoe, really rigid structure that acts as a lever when you run. So if you strike the ground with your heel and you sort of can tend to rock the shoe from heel to toe, if there's a rigid plate in that, it acts as a lever to kind of propel you forward a little bit more efficiently. But as Simon talks about in our interview, these shoes, um, are, they do make you faster. They are breaking records. It's undeniable that these actually help your running performance. And the carbon fiber plate does play a role in this. But as Simon talked about, he thinks that it's, um, one of the major advances in performance is due to the foam technologies that are within the shoe because it's unprecedented in terms of the properties and the behaviors of these high-tech foam that's underneath the plate as you hit the ground, as it absorbs energy and then releases energy, it can just return, returns a lot more energy with your um, foot strike and he put in the percentages, I can't really remember, but if it returns 80% of your energy, whereas other foams only return 60% of your energy, then it's obviously going to help. And so not only the, it doesn't act alone, the carbon fiber plate doesn't act alone in terms of gaining your performance or increasing your performance. Um, but another key takeaway of that episode is the misconception that the carbon fiber plates act as a spring to spring you forward. Um, it doesn't act as a spring at all. Like I said, it acts as a lever to carry your momentum forward. And I mentioned that because if it was a spring, you could run with your toes. You could be a midfoot or a forefoot striker and it spring you forward. 
But because it acts as a lever, if you are a toe runner or a midfoot or forefoot runner, you can't take advantage of the carbon fiber plate like someone who contacts with the heel might. If you contact with the heel, that's going to enhance that lever effect. Um, if you are a toe runner, you might take advantage of the foam technologies, but just not the carbon fiber plate. So just thought I'd start off with talking about that just to tell you what the carbon fiber plate is, the mechanics of it, benefits, pros, cons. Um, and so we set ourselves up quite well for this paper, which starts off with the subheading talking about the biomechanics of the carbon fiber plate. And the paper says, in this investigation, runners using the carbon fiber plate footwear were observed to have a decreased cadence and correspondingly longer step, longer steps when looking at their running mechanics and also a longer flight time. So we're looking at the changes in biomechanics that runners seem to have when running with carbon fiber shoes as opposed to non-carbon fiber shoes. Seems like their cadence is lower and they're taking greater steps or longer steps. Furthermore, peak vertical ground reaction forces and vertical impulse per step was higher in runners using their carbon fiber footwear. Um, why that is the case, not too sure, but um, we'll get to that a little bit later. They say there was no changes in the hip and knee mechanics, but differences in the ankle and the metatarsophalangeal joint, which is like your big toe joint. Um, so, Differences in the ankle and the toe joint mechanics were observed with runners who are in carbon fiber footwear. The authors also described that peak ankle dorsiflexion during stance and peak ankle moments were reduced and lower negative and positive ankle work were observed in the carbon fiber footwear runners. Um, a lot of technical stuff here, <clears throat> but it says that these results suggest that more energy was stored in the midfoot and less in the muscles and tendons of the ankle. So based on all of those differences that they see in the people who run with these shoes, there seems to be more energy stored in the front of the foot, which becomes important later on. And it seems like the muscles and the tendons are working less. The demand is less. A biomechanical explanation of these findings is that the carbon fiber plate increases the longitudinal bending stiffness of the footwear and thus is associated with a reduced dorsiflexion of the big toe joint before takeoff accompanying with an altered energy storage and return. Essentially saying that if you have a really stiff plate underneath your foot when you run, your toes, that big toe joint, is going to be straighter. It's not going to have that dorsiflexion bend at push-off as much because there's less flexibility there. And so it's kind of straighter, which means that the foot itself is absorbing more um, and biomechanically altering the, the storage of energy and the return of energy and the accumulation of forces within the midfoot. So Observed improvements in running economy may result from energy return from compression and cushioning material and the lever effects of the ankle mechanics considering the um, carbon fiber plate and a high toe spring. So essentially just talking about the benefits I was talking about before, uh, it seems like the cushioning material and the lever effect 
does contribute to the running economy, those performance, those running performances that we see in people with these shoes. We're going to talk about the biomechanical influences with bone stress injuries because this paper, as the title suggests, is bone stress injuries with people who have these carbon fiber shoes. So the biomechanical influences, we've talked about how it slightly changes how you absorb or where the energy and ground reaction forces are redirected in the shoe. Now they're sort of linking those biomechanical changes to bone stress injuries. So they say, the change in foot and ankle mechanics induced in the carbon fiber plate footwear may contribute to a risk of injury. Bone is an adaptable tissue and responds to changes in demands, including those resulting from footwear. For example, a study demonstrated that a gradual introduction of minimalist footwear over 10 weeks resulted in changes in MRIs, in their MRI scans, concerning the metatarsal bone stress injury in a population of runners presenting habitually with standard footwear. So they had a look at runners who just wear normal footwear, standard running shoes. They did 10 weeks of them gradually introducing minimalist footwear and showed on MRI that there is some bone stress reaction going on in the metatarsals of the foot. So those long, um, long skin. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. The bones in between the toes and the, the heel. So we know that that is the case. I do have another study. Um, I think they mentioned it later. Um, but there was a study shown. They had a whole bunch of runners that were habitually like wearing standard running shoes and then they transitioned to barefoot shoes. And I think it was 12 out of the 13 in the cohort got injured. And most of those injuries were around the foot and ankle and some of those injuries were bone stress injuries. So um, just bear in mind, it can be dangerous. Um, There is a lot of load going through the foot with minimalist footwear and changes in footwear. So we do need to be very careful. They say, by extension, the use of carbon fiber plate footwear can be expected to generate novel stress on the bone. And this is where it comes into looking about, um, talking about the general principles of bone management. Um, I have recently done a podcast episode on the main feed, um, reviewing a paper about the title was along the lines of um, not all bone stress reactions are stress fractures. And in that episode, I talk about the the buildup and breakdown of bone in in a sense that um, it is subject to the same amount of overload, overtraining, under recovery, that same principle that we apply to tendons, to muscles, to ligaments. The same thing happens to the bone, but just happens over a greater time scale. Like when you do a hard workout, and it really strains and stresses the bone, there's a bit of bone breakdown, which is healthy if you have the subsequent recovery to promote bone buildup. 
So there's this constant seesaw between breakdown and build up. And if you do that appropriately, the bone gets stronger. But if done inappropriately and there's more breakdown than build up, then you will start to see a bone stress reaction. And if ignored and continue to train, then that reaction gets worse and worse and turns into a stress fracture. So bear that in mind. Um, They're mainly referring here in the paper to navicular bone stress injuries, which is a bone within the foot, which is subject to load, um, particularly if we're seeing that there is um, a certain amount of strain in a certain part of the foot with these shoes. But the paper says, navicular bone stress injuries are classified as high risk, as a high risk location for injury, as some of these injuries may not effectively heal with non-surgical measures. I talk about that in the main feed as well. There are the differences between high-risk bone stress injuries and low-risk bone stress injuries based on certain factors, um, based on the location. So some locations, you can have a bone stress reaction in your um, tibia, and it's in the, the inside, medial, or posterior border of the shin, and that is low-risk but if you have a bone stress reaction on the other side, on the anterior or the lateral border of the shin, that is considered high risk. And these locations are assigned high or low risk based on the complications that could happen. And this paper says, the navicular bone receives unequal forces from the first and second metatarsocuniform joint. Don't need to remember that. It's just the articulation of the bones within the foot that create shear stress over the third, over the central third of the bone, corresponding to the region of reduced blood supply and a common site of navicular bone stress injuries. So a uh, roundabout way of saying the navicular bone in the foot is subject to a bone stress injury because it doesn't have a lot of blood supply or has a reduced blood supply. Um, blood heals things sends nutrients and a whole bunch of things. So it can be prone to a stress reaction. But why it also is a high risk is because once it does have a bone stress reaction or a stress fracture, it takes a very, very long time to heal because it has poor blood supply. And the complications that it can have if it goes ignored can be quite severe. So this is why we call this particular bone, it's in the category of high risk. So the paper continues, uh, interestingly, by having five case studies. And these case studies I found quite interesting and thought I'd include them in the the podcast because it helps talk about symptoms, helps talk about management, talks about success rates and those sorts of things. So um, a lot of these are young athletes, um, most of them, but let's go through them because I found them quite interesting. So case one, a 17-year-old male junior elite steeplechase runner was using carbon fiber plate shoes for interval sessions on a track prior to a race. The athlete felt severe midfoot pain directly after a 3000 meter steeplechase race. He had no relevant history of bone stress injuries and had been using different types of carbon plated shoes for two years. And it mentions completing approximately 1000 kilometers of total running in this footwear. Plain radiographs, x-rays, were performed immediately after the race and the athlete was cleared to continue sports participation. 
Due to persistent pain over the following five weeks, he presented to an outpatient clinic and was diagnosed with a navicular stress fracture. The injury was managed by sports restrictions, and they put in brackets, uh, no cast immobilization, no weight-bearing restrictions. And six weeks later, and this is uh, 11 weeks after the race, so 11 weeks of symptoms, a follow-up MRI was obtained and did not demonstrate visibly a visible bone consolidation. So essentially meaning the bone hadn't healed yet, and that's 11 weeks later. However, the athlete was pain-free and was allowed to gradually return to sports. However, with persistent non-union of the fracture, meaning the, the, the bone the fracture it wasn't coming together, he was transferred to a specialist with advanced knowledge in foot injuries and sports medicine. A weight-bearing CT revealed a stable type 3 navicular stress fracture with the absence of bony consolidation, so quite severe in terms of its level of stress fracture. And after an interdisciplinary case conference with the patient, shared decision-making was applied and he completed a gradual load build-up on an anti-gravity treadmill at 75% of his body weight and he ultimately returned to land-based running. Seems like it was just a very, very long process. Uh, the anti-gravity treadmills, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, you can Google them, but you essentially run on a treadmill, which from the waist down is like you're running in a bubble and it uh, reduces the amount of body weight applied to the lower limb when they impact the ground. So this was using the anti-gravity treadmill at 75% of his body weight, so taking away 25% to then see how it can be negotiated and then gradually return to more and more loading. And finally, it says, despite the follow-up CT scan revealing that the fracture line was still present, the athlete continued to run without pain. So this is another illustration of how long this takes to heal. Like this, this is why it's a high-risk area. This thing just takes so long to heal. Um, but let's move on. Case number two, another 17-year-old. This is a female junior elite middle distance runner using carbon fiber plated shoes exclusively for interval sessions on the track. She had been using carbon plated shoes for about six months and accumulated over a hundred kilometers. She experienced pain in the midfoot after the track session wearing these shoes. So both of these cases straight away after a session, midfoot pain. The runner had a previous history of a navicular bone stress injury in the same foot two years earlier that was treated conservatively conservatively meaning non-surgical. On evaluation, she was noted to have bilateral pes plano valgus, which is just like um, flat feet. An MRI after the event revealed a type 0.5 stress reaction of the navicular bone, which is like, I'm assuming just like a very, very low grade, not a stress fracture, um, but just the, the starts of the bone undergoing some sort of reaction or overload. She was initially treated with six weeks of non-weight bearing in an air cast. Repeated MRI obtained six weeks after the diagnosis showed a reduction of edema, which is just swelling, but still a stress reaction leading to two more weeks of non-weight bearing. 
After a total of eight weeks of non-weight bearing, the athletes started cross-training on an Altered-G treadmill, and they say in brackets initially at 70% of body weight, and was back to normal pain-free running 15 weeks after the initial diagnosis. These are long healing times, 15 weeks to return to um, pain-free training. That's a long time. And these are young, young athletes. So 17 years old for both of these and young people heal quicker. So bear that in mind. Um, Long time. Case number three, (laughs) an 18 year old female elite 3000 meter steeplechase runner was facing, was racing a 10 kilometer race in a carbon fiber plate shoe. The race was the first time she had used a new carbon fiber shoe The week after the race, she experienced foot pain localized to the forefoot and associated and had associated swelling and was unable to walk pain-free in the following days. Without medical consultation, she went back to running and experienced trauma from an acute supination, um, which is just like an ankle sprain in the same foot leading to medical consultation. So she sort of like ignored the foot pain, then had a sprained ankle, so then went and got medically assessed. This resulted from resulting from this consultation at four weeks after the race and one week following the trauma, an MRI was obtained and revealed a navicular bone stress injury and a subsequent CT scan confirmed the presence of a type three navicular stress fracture. She was subsequently treated with non-weight bearing activities for four weeks in a walker. Some of these interventions, they're they're so different from one another. Um, Afterwards, she initiated strength exercises and cross-training on a cycle ergometer. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Ergometer, yeah. Seven weeks from the time of CT, so seven weeks later after the CT, so really getting on here, seven weeks from the time of CT. So, and there was... How long until four weeks after the race with CT? So we're looking at 11 weeks later. She attempted to run, but experienced pain at a level of four out of 10 on a rating scale. Following one additional week off running, she was able to return to running pain-free. When we return to activity from a bone stress reaction, we are aiming for symptom-free. And so she experienced four out of 10, Strangely enough, just required one more week off and then she was able to run symptom-free. So that's the um, case study three. We've got two more. Case study four was a 38-year-old male elite triathlete competing in a half marathon, and he did so in carbon fiber shoes. The shoes he wore had not been used in any significant training prior to the race. So it seems like it was just holding off, holding onto these carbon fiber plates, not really wearing them that often. Then as soon as the race came, slap them on and see how he went. Towards the latter portion of the race, he experienced midfoot pain and upon completion was unable to walk pain-free. He had minimal swelling and localized pain localized to the N spot and experienced throbbing at night. I didn't know what the N spot was, so I had to Google it while I was organizing this podcast. And it was just essentially like, um, you can Google it. It's essentially like the part of the... Um, Midfoot, similar, you know, around about the location of the navicular bone. And he experienced throbbing at night. He had a previous history of a navicular bone stress injury in the same foot and it was treated non-operatively 
18 years prior as a collegiate steeplechaser. What's up with these steeplechasers? Um, he also had a history of a navicular bone stress injury in the other foot, which was treated operatively six years prior. So he had one bone stress injury to the navicular 18 years ago, another bone stress injury six years ago in the other foot, and now he has similar symptoms. He had a stable foot structure and was normally and normally did not wear foot orthoses. Due to this, due to his prior history, a CT scan was obtained and revealed a type two navicular bone stress injury, and the patient underwent open reduction and internal fixation and went on to successful healing. The open reduction and internal fixation is just operating with a plate and screws. So if you have a stress injury, this is a 38-year-old male. Like I say, the young people tend to heal quicker. 38 years old, long complication, long history of injuries. Now he has a stress reaction. Let's just take the two parts of bone and let's just fuse them together with a plate and screws instead of waiting for things to heal. So um, that's another change, another management decision, uh, another treatment option for those with navicular stress fractures, provided that you know it's medically safe to do so and it's justified by the medical team. Lastly, we have case five, which is another 30, uh, the last case four was 38 years old. This is 36 years old, a 36 year old male elite triathlete ran a 22 mile training run in preparation for a marathon, which was scheduled for four weeks later. He had only ran in these carbon fiber shoes two to three times prior and for much shorter distances. So, you know, probably not the best decision in hindsight. He developed midfoot pain immediately after the run and similar symptoms to the case above. So pain in the end spot, throbbing at night, no real swelling. He had pri- he had no prior history of a navicular bone stress injury. The athlete normally wore custom foot orthoses, but did not use these in his racing shoes. Due to the short time span of his upcoming race, a CT scan was ordered and was negative for a fracture. He was diagnosed with a type 0.5 navicular bone stress injury or like a bone stress reaction. So no fracture, but maybe the bone's undergoing some sort of reaction and treated with a below knee boot focused. They did focused shockwave therapy and electromagnetic reduction therapy. So I think that's kind of just like um, therapeutic ultrasound. This treatment was repeated one week later. So this, the same thing, the shockwave and the therapy went, um, it's been twice now. And since he was pain-free, he discontinued the boot. He was allowed cross-training and a stationary bike and swimming. After the diagnosis, he started training on an anti-grav treadmill 10 days after initiating treatment. And he was able to run on land approximately 12 days prior to his marathon, and he completed the marathon pain-free. What a success story that was. (laughs) Um, Okay, so there's our five case studies. We then have the paper discussion, which we'll go through, and then I have a few little takeaways at the end. So the paper discusses, in all cases, athletes developed acute pain during or after running in this carbon fiber footwear. Differences in time to diagnosis and management reflect the relevant experience of the healthcare professionals 
and oh, who initially evaluated each athlete? Um, pretty much just saying that they were quick to act when it comes to diagnoses or when it comes to symptoms and getting scans and then a diagnosis. A prior study related to the time to reach an accurate diagnosis of navicular stress injuries is almost nine months. So this is nothing like these case studies above, uh, but you can imagine that some people have foot pain, don't know what it is, try and manage it, try and run on of it, try and rest, try and run, try and rest, see a health professional, misdiagnose, try to rehab it, not getting better. Nine months later, get a scan, shows navicular bone stress injury. Um, so on average, it's reported that that time taken is about nine months, which is way, way, way too long. Recognizing possible associations with navicular bone stress injuries in runners presenting with vague foot pain or ankle pain who use carbon fiber plated footwear may be important to identify this high risk injury. A previous article reports navicular stress fractures to be 35% of all stress fractures. The true incidence meaning occurrence rates, may be hard to estimate since many of these injuries go undiagnosed for a long period. The mechanism of injury in each of these cases can't be determined due to limitations of the case report format. Like they say, they're, they're looking back retrospectively of these cases, by the way, um, and lack of studies to describe the changes in lower extremity biomechanics between forms of training and racing footwear in both sexes, essentially saying like there is limitations here. We're not just blaming the shoes. There may be a lot of other factors at play. So we just need to bear that in mind. The use of custom orthotics and prior history of bone stress injuries in athletes can or could influence injury risk. It seems that the use of orthotics and if someone has a history of bone stress injuries can increase the risk of future navicular bone stress injuries. Based on prior studies describing risk factors of navicular bone stress injuries, it is plausible that shoes with a compressive foam midsole may allow for increased plantar displacement of the navicular and cuneiform bones, the cuneiforms just being other bones in the midfoot, and modified forces in the hindfoot. As discussed earlier, multiple biomechanical variables may change using carbon fiber footwear compared to other types of competitive shoes. That being the biomechanical changes of like lower cadence, increased flight time, those sorts of things. Behaviors of the athlete and their use of these shoes for training and competition may also explain novel demands on the foot, including training faster velocities, which would be expected with increased skeletal loading. Um, yeah, interesting point to make. When people are wearing these shoes, they run fast and they usually use them for fast events. So there is a lot of bone loading going on, even without the footwear. Maybe we're blaming the footwear because these shoes are designed for races and people are racing and they're running really, really fast and the bones are just getting overloaded. Athletes choosing to wear carbon fiber foot plate carbon fiber foot plates should recognize that should recognize the development of pain, particularly over the navicular bone, anterior ankle, or like in front of the ankle or midfoot region, which may present more significant, which may present a more significant injury that requires further evaluation to guide correct treatment. 
Based on prior evidence of maladaptation following the rapid adoption of minimalist footwear use in the use of bone stress injuries, one potential, one potential behavior strategy for runners may be to incorporate carbon fiber plate footwear gradually into training and competition. While this is the first report to describe bone stress injuries in association with novel carbon fiber plate footwear, there are clearly limitations to this work. The development of bone stress injuries is often multifactorial and retrospective chart review limits understanding mechanisms of injury. Essentially saying like, you know, bone stress injuries are multifactorial and these case reports are retrospective in nature. So we do need to be careful with how we interpret these things. So that's the paper and it's available for you. Like I said earlier, um, just a few key takeaways. Uh, just be very, very careful with your transition. Uh, when you do transition into these shoes, just bear in mind that you don't have to run fast in them every time. In fact, it's probably more helpful for you if you choose to wear these carbon fiber shoes, transition into them, get used to them, but just don't run fast in them just yet. And then when you are used to them and you your body has adapted to them, build in that speed like you would anything else. Just build upon things gradually. But I think these shoes are designed for you to run fast. And so people don't wear them that often during slow runs. And so that transition can be too abrupt. Um, and just be very, very careful with your shoe selection. Um, be... It seems like some of these people not only, like you can wear these carbon fiber shoes, you probably should wear them more often once you've transitioned into them. As these case studies above reported, some of them just did two or three training runs, thought they were good, then they decided to race in them. Not the best approach. So choose, first of all, careful transition. Try to run slow in them so that you do get used to them. And then when you have adapted to them, probably use them more often so you keep your body keeps remembering those shoes instead of just being very, very occasionally using them and just in races. So be careful with that. And just be very mindful of symptom observation, pain at the top of the foot, in the midfoot. Um, maybe Google where the navicular bone is so you can see where that might appear um, anatomically. And if you do suspect that if those sort of symptoms do arise, probably getting a scan earlier rather than later might be best so that you can jump upon these sort of management, like the sort of treatments. Like these case studies, they identified and diagnosed it fairly, fairly quickly. Sometimes it was like two or three months, but relatively quickly in the scheme of things. And they returned to pain-free sport, pain-free running pretty quickly. Um, <clears throat> in the scheme of things, you, you don't want this to drag out for nine, 12 plus months. So a few things to bear in mind. <clears throat> I hope you found this interesting. I do have a long list of papers that I want to talk about that I do have access to and are quite interesting. So, um, let me know your feedback. I might put some polls up as to you, you can vote on which review you want to see next. Um, but like I said, uh, I found this interesting. I did like the case studies, even though this was just a, um, <clears throat> a particular opinion paper, but yeah, hope you enjoyed and we'll catch you in next month's research review. If you are struggling to overcome an injury, you can jump on a free 20 minute injury chat with me, which you can book through my calendar in the show notes. 
while you're in the show notes, elevate your running IQ by jumping onto my free email list so you can receive material to help rehab your injury, lower your injury risk, and increase your performance. If emails aren't for you, consider my Facebook group, Instagram, and YouTube channels. And remember, each insight you get from these resources brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough.